0: Hello, this is Robert Picardo, the Holographic Doctor from Star Trek Voyager, and Commander Woolsey from Stargate Atlantis. If I only get in Star Wars someday, I will have made the trifecta. And you're listening to Kneel Before Pod. Because you are smart. Kneel Before Blog presents...
1: Kneel Before Pod.
0: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage.
2: Hello, and welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that has been where no one has gone before, and then back again. I'm your host, Craig, and this topic is one I'm very excited about. Recently, Sir Patrick Stewart returned to the role of none other than Jean Luc Picard. So there just had to be a discussion about it. To help me with this high-risk, top-secret mission, I had to find some bridge officers. They're ready to be beamed in, so now let's hope I don't make a mess of this. Again, energising. So, standing on my transporter pad here, we have Laura. Welcome aboard.
1: Hello, thank you. The
2: beam in okay? I haven't used the transporter in a while, so it might be a bit glitchy
1: feel a bit woozy, but I think I'm alright. That's
2: more promising than the last podcasting (laughs) contributors that I tried to beam in. Watch where you step, by the way. That might be then. Andrew, you're also here. Welcome aboard. Yes, I, I am also here, and I'm pretty sure that all of me is here, and all in the right place. So, well done. Yeah, just make sure you step over the charred remains of... Whoever was a guest on the podcast before.
0: Oh, is that what that is? I thought someone had just burnt a pizza and left it on the floor.
2: I mean, there's that too. There's all sorts going on there. Yeah, so that was that. Successful transporter, successful jokes. Really Great start. Okay, so we're here to discuss the first episode of Star Trek Picard, which is a show that came on recently and I may or may not be very excited about. But before we do that, let's go to our customary non-related feature, Neil before and rise against. So... Laura, do you want to kick us off with a rise against?
1: Yeah. Oh, this one's controversial. I watched John Wick Chapter 2 for the first time the other night and did not enjoy it as much as I expected to. Ooh. Yeah, I Good know. Oh, don't did fight me.
2: did you enjoy the first one?
1: I did, yeah. I just thought the second one didn't have the same, like, appeal for me, Um, even though there was less of, like dogs dying which is always a pro
0: that is true that's very true
1: yeah and i love carney reeves and i thought it was cool but i wasn't yeah. like love it as much as i wanted to so, it counts as a thumbs down
2: okay well the first one is better than the second one although i think the third one be yeah. the best.
1: yeah i still so, ain't seen the third one either what,
0: so what did you feel the second one was lacking in
1: substance to be honest i thought it was very much like a style over substance thing that they balanced a bit better in the first one um no, even though everything uh, was like think... well done i didn't walk away from it feeling any particular way
2: fair enough but fair yeah enough.
1: sorry can if you're listening love you still
2: yes he's listening he's a avid yeah. listener he's always <laughs> listening he's always listening <laughs> I'm sure he would if you asked. He seems like a nice guy. And he would also give you a yeah. lot of money, because apparently that's what he does. He just has so oh. much money, he just throws it at people. Like, snowballs. That's the
1: dream. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it is the dream. But I'm not just after Keanu for his money. Just, I don't know, seems like a nice guy. Roll on Bill and Ted 3, the sequel that maybe <laughs> nobody wants. Who knows?
1: We all want oh, it. I'm
2: sure some people will enjoy it. Yeah, until it comes out, and it's like, ah, oh, yeah, shouldn't have made that We'll see. I don't know, I can't predict the future. So, John Wick 2, not a huge fan. I loved it. But I think I've only seen it like twice. I've seen the first one about a dozen times or something like that. And I've seen the third one like once.
1: Why do you torture yourself? First one's so sad.
2: But it's so good. It has that
1: super cool action
2: scene. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well well, the thing is once you get past
0: the heartbreaking bit and you can just revel in, like, some sort of tough turn minimalism excessive, badass styleness. ness
2: yep. technical terms. All that. <laughs> All that stuff. Yes. Yeah. John Wick evens out to being good, I guess, as a franchise. Who knows? Yes.
1: Yeah. As a franchise, yes. <laughs> just have beef with the second one.
2: <laughs> yep. uh, you can kneel before a rise against the third one the next time you appear, perhaps.
1: Yeah, I'll have seen it by then. I promise.
2: <laughs> okay, Andrew, what are you rising against?
0: I'm actually very surprised to be rising against this, but circumstances dictate I must. And um, this is Justice League Dark. This is, this is a, a comic book series which follows instead of the standard Justice League, who deal with superpowered threats to the world, Justice League dark deal with supernatural threats so it's very much focused on the magic and mystical side of dc comics and the characters are usually some combination of john constantine and zatanna black orchid dead man and swamp thing cool characters like that which i absolutely love and have been looking forward to to see what would be done with it unfortunately, I am no longer with the news that the film and TV adaptations of it are now being overseen by J.J. Abrams.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Don't like J.J. Abrams. Sick of the guy. Why is he getting attached to things I like all the time? Go away. Go do something else. (laughs) Leave me alone.
0: So instead of this creepy, mystical, horror, darkness, which would have been so credible in the hands of someone like Guillermo del Toro who at one point was attached to it We're instead going to have to deal with nonsensical fan service crap and his mystery box bull stuff <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> gotta love a mystery box yeah
0: it's just uh, I just I mean he has no words That's
2: that sums it up <laughs>
1: That's how bad no,
0: it is. No, oh, no, no, the thing is, I have numerous words. I just can't say them because I know you generally like to keep dialogue clean in, in these recordings.
2: Yeah, it would just um, sound like a, someone's flatlining, I think. Someone's firing a lot of phasers or something, if you
0: were to say what you thought of it. And I'm sure as a series of comedy sound effects blanking out all my superlatives, like an episode of The Osbournes or something w- w- would be highly amusing, it really wouldn't kind of add, add much to the verbal discourse. Yeah, so basically, because you want to say... Um, that I am most decidedly not looking forward to seeing J.J. Abrams ruin another property that I have loved for many years, and I just hope to hell that the constant flux that these productions have been in will eventually see him exit it before he manages to do any
2: harm to it. Sadly, whenever Abrams is attached to something, it tends to happen.
0: Yes, I'm aware of this, but I'm trying to be hopeful and positive.
2: At least it keeps him away from Superman for a little while longer. Small mercies. <laughs> Take them where you can get them. Yeah. Laura, are you a fan of Abrams at
1: all? Not really, no, I have to say. But I probably haven't seen as much as you guys have of his. But, you know, some of his stuff that I have seen, although I tend to like it generally, I think he comes across pretty wanky. That doesn't count as a swear word. No. No, it does. Okay, cool.
2: <laughs> and, what?
1: Uh, I, I believe it's a, a
2: Category C word. Yeah, that's it. If they, can, if they can say it on a CW show, they can say it here. <laughs> <laughs> that's about my benchmark.
1: Fair play. Yeah, no, not a huge fan and honest, kind of resentful of how successful he is. So yeah,
2: He doesn't deserve it. There's other people more deserving. No.
1: Yeah. Agreed.
2: He's just so mediocre. I call him the master of mediocrity. I think that's about the best description we can muster for the guy. It sums up quite nicely, actually.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's not going to go on the back of any DVD cases. <laughs> Master of Mediocrity brings you another Star Wars movie. The well, less said about that, the better, other than the sort of two-hour podcast that at the time of recording hasn't been published yet, which you can probably listen to before you listen to this. Okay, My Rise Against, uh, funnily enough, it's another Disney live-action remake. We're getting Bambi now. I mean, are we surprised? Yeah. No. Do we like it? No. Do we need it? No. Do we want it? No. That's all I have to say on it. It's happening and who cares?
1: Nice and succinct. There's really not
0: any more that you can say about it that hasn't been said. But you will anyway. <laughs> you can't say much more about it than has already been said about the various other why that shouldn't slash photoreal CGI remakes of classic Disney properties because the arguments for them are all the same. There's no need for them to exist and and to rehash them without attempting to add much of anything new to them. It just streams of a cynical cash grab.
2: Yeah, although there might be a human being in this one which suggests that it can actually be called live action.
1: Where does um, the human being come in? I mean, well, it's the, been a while since I've seen Bambi, but I don't remember that.
2: Well, the the guy that shoots... Ambi's mother is like a human. You don't see him in the spoiler.
1: Uh, that's such a weak weak point. <laughs> I'm like, come on just call it like CGI and get it done.
2: Yeah. But mm, they, might put some, they might put some extra with a gun in it and then they can say it's live action because there's one human that appears once.
1: Sponsored by the NRA. <laughs> <laughs>
2: sponsored by people that murder deer and eat them
0: Uh, and wish nothing else than to traumatize a new generation of children.
1: Mm, God, almost as bad as the fox and the hound.
2: I haven't seen that. Oh, I
1: have. Right. It's soul destroying.
0: I have seen every single Disney movie several times because Jana owns all of them and loves all of them and watches all of them regularly. Has she been buying them again when they've been getting remade? No, she hasn't been, because as far as she's concerned, they don't count.
1: <laughs> That's valid.
2: Yeah. So, let's get away from this negativity and move on to something positive. So, Laura, what are you kneeling before?
1: This isn't very on-brand for your podcast. However, I recently watched The Motherless Mrs. Maisel's third season, which I'm aware came out last month, but I'm a bit late to the party, and it was very excellent, as previous seasons have been. So... Watch cool. it if you haven't.
2: Never seen this. I don't really know what it is, but cool. I'm glad you like it.
1: It's really good. It's genuinely really, really good. It's like historical comedy. It's on Amazon Prime. It's just really funny and, and just great. Just watch it. Okay. This has now been a sponsored post. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's a shame it didn't go with you last because then we could have segued into another Amazon Prime thing, but it's, it's not working out that way. Okay. Mm-mm. Fine, maybe I'll check it out one of these days. I could add it to the ever-long list of things that I'll never watch. Yeah, but I'm very
1: sceptical. Like to... <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, it's probably not going to happen, I'll, t- I'll
1: t- <laughs> tell you that right
2: now. Yeah, There's a lot of CW superhero shows on the drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. Andrew, have you heard of this? Do you have an opinion?
0: I am aware of it, and I did quite like the look of it, but it's one of those... Ones that I haven't ever got around to because, like my quest to watch absolutely everything ever made, there are only physically so many hours in every single day, and even I need to admit that every now and then I need to sleep. So some things end up falling by the wayside as I kind of keep caught up with other things, and unfortunately, this was one of them. So it is one that I hope to get around to at some point, and will be kind of disappointed if I end up not doing so cool
1: good love to hear it yeah so (laughs) what are
0: you kneeling before andrew what's your thing that you love this week at the risk of countering what we were talking about five minutes ago regarding remakes there is a new anaconda movie getting made the anaconda films are a series of horror monster movies basically starring gigantic cgi snakes which attack (laughs) and eat people they are all complete and utter trash (laughs) Every single one of them Every single minute of them And I absolutely love them I can't justify this And I will not attempt to But I just have a passion for CGI monster movies They're kind of like really bad and cheesy things Made by the Asylum or the the Sci-Fi Channel Just because they're all so much fun And they don't take themselves seriously And they're the kind of films that you can just watch With a bunch of friends And everyone getting drunk and having a good time And just revel in the ridiculous nonsense Playing out before you and now yeah. there's going to be more of it.
2: Yeah, and that, nice.
0: that makes yeah. me
2: happy. Is this a reboot or a remake or just another one?
0: It's currently a reboot, which would we'll put it is a documentary in the Amazon, picking up a hunter with a very, very dodgy Paraguayan accent who <laughs> is searching for this gigantic creature to trophy hunt. Or if it's anything like Second One, it will involve a search for this mystical flower, the eating of which uh, makes people immortal. Or if it's anything like Anaconda versus Lake Placid, then it, it will be a. <laughs> giant-ass snake versus a giant-ass crocodile.
1: And (laughs) that is the stuff that that I'm
0: here for. It's great fun. I mean, I could wax lyrical for hours about everything that makes these kind of films so entertaining, but I won't because I appreciate that not everyone has the same passion and reverence for such films, so I will just simply stop talking about them now.
1: Oh my god, there's five of them already? (laughs) Just looked it up. Yep. I'm shaken. (laughs) I'm all right
2: All right. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not more than that. To be honest, I thought there might have been more because you hear about these horror franchises. There seems to be like a hundred of them somehow because they don't care about what medium they release them in.
1: Well, look, like this—the one that's coming out is going to be the sixth. So clearly, they're still going. Yeah. We may get to a hundred yet.
2: I'm sure it will be exactly what people expect from it. <laughs> There's a place for that in society. Not everything has to be highbrow or even medium brow. <laughs> Some things are just giant snakes eating people, and that's okay. <laughs> well, mind deal before it's a bit of an old day, but since we had a large podcast hiatus. Didn't get to talk about some of the other stuff I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to kneel before the second Sonic trailer. The one with the redesigned Sonic trailer. yes. Because I think it looks alright. And I'm in the minority of people that thought the first trailer looked alright. I wasn't hot in the design, but I would have accepted it. When they redesigned it, I was like, okay. I don't know why you didn't use this design in the first place. But you're listening to people and you want people to see your film and stuff. But I don't know, the second trailer is very differently edited to make it maybe put its best foot forward. I mean, maybe it's just the same old crap and it'll, you know, it'll be unwatchable when it comes out. But I'm kind of optimistic that it's going to be all right. And it's out on Valentine's Day, and I can't think of any better way to spend Valentine's Day than go to see Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> on my own. You know, I'll be one of those people. Love people that. will avoid me. <laughs> yeah. Sonic was a big part of me growing up. It's the first video game I ever completed.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah and I think the film looks okay. Yeah, Actually, I'm pretty much
0: in agreement. I wasn't that taken with the first trailer, because I, th- I just think like, that the editing of it was, was all off, as music was completely incongruous and inappropriate, and I don't know why they did it. Um, But but the second one is just so much more encouraging, as it captures the, the kind of manic energy that i assume the film itself will be largely driven by and also it was actually just a lot funnier as well with the way that the jokes were presented
2: yeah and what's his name ben schwartz is that his name voice yeah. sonic john ralphiel as i know him He's good. oh
1: yeah i really like him
2: neil McDonough's in it although i would have probably put him as dr robotnik that would be hilarious and i said we have jim carrey playing mid-90s jim carrey I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, it's very fitting. It's a mid '90s property. It's late '80s, really, but kind of '90s as well.
0: The first uh, Sonic on the on Mega Drive was 1991, and was actually the the first game for the first console I ever owned. So it actually holds a special place for me as well.
2: And I've got the version on my phone, and I've completed it a few times on my phone, which is amazing. Never thought when I was playing Sonic as a young lad that I would ever be playing it on a very small mobile device.
1: Hmm. Isn't
2: technology grand. Indeed. Yes, and I am just trying not to think about
0: uh, about when Sonic was released in, in relation to when Laura was born.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I thought you were trying thinking... try
2: not to think about the Sonic fandom, which would have also been valid.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah. yeah.
2: Let's not go there. That's <laughs> that's um <laughs> It's not worth thinking about, put it that way. <laughs> So, Laura, do you have an opinion on the Sonic trailer? You looking forward to it? Could you care less?
1: Can't say that I particularly care because Sonic means nothing to me. Like, it was never part of my childhood or anything like that. But I quite like the theory that I've heard, which is that the first trailer was just a PR stunt and that was never going to be the actual design. And they just did it to, like, really bring out on uh, the media spheres, etc.
2: Yeah, I've heard that thought, but. I don't know. It doesn't suit their purposes because that could have so easily backfired to there's a load of crap. I'm not going to watch
1: this. Yeah, but I think it's the fact that then were like, oh, well, we're going to do what the people want to do. I like the idea that it is a PR stunt because if it is, it's kind of genius. <laughs> but I don't know if I buy it either.
0: I'm not too convinced by it, largely to do with the FX house who did all the CGI for Sonic before and after the redesign. I have actually- fired. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, awkward.
2: It's like going go on business now. Yeah, it's awkward. But please support this film, that's it's made by evil people, I guess. People who don't pay creatives on time. <laughs> yeah, let's, mm. let's swerve past that. I'm calling it now, there's going to be a post credit scene that introduces Tails in some way. Or Knuckles, or both. Yep. I'm just going to say, yeah, Tails and or Knuckles. Yeah, it's going to happen. I'm sure I'm the first person to say that. Well,
0: undoubtedly, because this is such a genius and revolutionary thought that it's simply far too complex for it to have
2: occurred to anyone before. Yeah, no one all thought of it. No one except me. (laughs) Right, cool. That's us. Made it through the Kneel Before Rise Again segment. Well done, guys. Got some good chat in there. So, before we start with our feature topic, I'm going to recommend another Star Trek thing. Nick Cook, who occasionally appears on this podcast, very occasionally, is making another fan film. If you don't know, he runs the Star Trek Intrepid fan production, which is the only Scottish Star Trek fan production that exists at the moment. At least as far as I know. So what he's doing, he's doing a bit of crowdfunding on Indiegogo to just get the film made. Pay for consumables like food and transport and batteries and all that kind of stuff. He's encouraging, or trying to encourage people to pay very small amounts to help fund the thing. I personally gave a tenner to it so I can see my name appear in the credits. My name in the credits of some Star Trek thing. Got to happen. It only cost me a tenner, so... If you have a spare tenner or even a couple of quid, throw it his way, give him a hand with it, and even if you don't, you'll still see it for free, and we'll probably share it here. I'll put the link to Indiegogo in the show notes. It's doing quite well so far, so good luck, Nick, and we're behind you. We can call that our sponsor, perhaps, even though Uh they didn't give us any money. Except
1: you're the one giving them money. (laughs) Yes, I'm his sponsor.
2: Yeah, I don't know. A partnership, we'll call it that. So yeah, check it out. You could do worse. (laughs) That, that's kind of his words. You know, you could do worse. He's very modest okay. when it comes to his own productions. He doesn't want people to Good get quality. their hopes up. <laughs> Good quality, it really is. They do a lot with a little, which the best fan productions do. You'd be surprised at what some people can come up with in their... Bedrooms, so to speak. I've seen all of the previous films that Nick
0: has made, and they are actually really, really good. Even though they are obviously very cheaply made, and for the most part, they're very short episodes, they're still able to capture like the essence of what Star Trek is. Which, when it comes down to, I think, is the most important thing about fan films.
2: Yeah, I mean, because... Star Trek was never cheaply made, was it? You know, <laughs> always top drawer budgets on Star Trek. Yeah. That's a recommendation. Right now, onto our feature topic. This is a Star Trek thing they spent a bit more money on than Next fan film. Not much, a little bit more. We'll kind of start with a bit of connection, or what your connection is. So, Laura, why don't you start? What's your connection to Next Generation and the character of Picard? Do you have one, or is this your first toe in the water?
1: So, I did used to watch Next Gen when it was on after school, so that means it was fairly irregular. And it also means that I'm not entirely convinced I've seen all of it. Or You've in the right order. I've seen enough of it that I know like who the characters are, etc. And like I knew who Picard was and I knew, you know, what, what his character was like, which I don't even think is necessary for the enjoyment of the show. But, you know, for myself I came into Picard actually knowing who the character and what the Overarching story and vibe was so yeah.
2: So you have some connection, but not a huge connection.
1: Yeah, I don't call myself a a big ass fanboy because I'm very aware that I may not have actually seen all of it. (laughs) That's fair enough. Worth investigating one day. (laughs) Yeah,
2: although TNG is syndicated, so it's designed to be consumed in as little or as large quantities as possible. Mm. You know because it was airing at a time where you might miss an episode and never see it again, so you have to be able to tune in and understand what's going on,
1: yeah, which is pretty much what I did, and I never really like had an issue, so it's all good cool,
2: Andrew, what's your connection to these two things, which are the same thing? yeah well it's actually a kind of kind of similar thing. It's my first exposure
0: to to it, it was also the weekday evening schedule and episode it was being half past six on BBC two after um, the Simpsons that's the one, yes. <laughs> Uh, the good old days. There was always something interesting that that, that would be on. Then one thing that like that, that particularly appealed to me about Star Trek and, and next generation in general was basically the spaceships because I really enjoyed imagining having having my own spaceship and how I would I would design it and what I would put into it. And watching Star Trek gave me a lot of um, inspiration about how about my work visually and and how these things might, might actually be constructed. Because I spent a lot of time as as a kid just thinking about nonsense and imagining. Nonsense.
2: So you're an angsty kid doodling at the back of the class, drawing spaceships. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well, you have um, to own that. Now, now it's cool. Or it was cool at some point.
0: That's actually the only thing. It's definitely cool to be that kind of person now, just not so much in the late 90s.
2: Just like it's cooler to be a Star Trek fan now than it was in the late 90s. Yeah, yeah, before our time. Frust- frustrating. Yeah. So, that's cool. My connection to TNG is quite profound. It was basically my Star Trek growing up. I watched the original series, I watched Deep Space Nine, I watched Voyager when they are on, but TNG was always my favourite. Picard was always my favourite captain. I just love the ensemble cast on Next Gen, and I've seen every episode so many times, even the crappy ones. Yes, there are crappy episodes of Star Trek, who knew? Mm -hmm. Some really, really bad episodes. But, I always got something out of it and Picard was always someone to look up to because that's who he's designed to be and, you know, he's flawed but has a lot of integrity. You'll listen to him when he talks, even if he's talking nonsense like in some of the crappy episodes. But such a great character, such a great show, you know, it's something I grew up with and it's formed a lot of my worldview, I guess, by by watching that show. So hearing that Jean-Luc Picard was returning... I couldn't believe it. I never thought that Patrick Stroke would play the character ever again. I don't think he ever thought he would play it ever again. But here he is, so many years later. What, 18 years after his last appearance? Not including video games. He's doing it. He seems to be on board with it because he's doing another season. Which is, again, something I would never expect. So, good on him. And I can't wait to see more. So, that's my connection. I'm the super nerd or the TNG mm. super nerd, anyway, of the group. So, looks like we'll have a bit of a, a varied perspective as we move on, which is good. So, so Laura, what did you think of the first episode? Just without spoilers here, we'll get Picard to take us into the spoiler section later on.
1: For me, it took a little bit of getting into, but once we were, you know, into the action and refamiliarized with the environment, I I really enjoyed it. I'd say it better enjoyed having seen the first three episodes because it's more of like part one of a three episode arc of sorts. And so lucky to, enough, as long to as you've given
2: the first three episodes,
1: that'd be better. Yeah. Um. No spoilers.
2: No spoilers.
1: <laughs> like, oh, I'm more lucky me. I,
0: I live in London. I, I can actually go to these events uh, that Martin and Phil keep e- emailing us about.
2: <laughs> hey, I went to London as well, but I didn't get the first three episodes.
1: No, I just mean like some people might switch off because episode one might not have been everything they hoped for and it's worth remembering that it's just chapter one of a long overarching ten hour series that's more cinematic than it is serial. So
2: try and stay away from the That would be my the, two cents on it. The knowledge of the two episodes that you haven't seen. Which should make your speculation quite I interesting. I would never I just <laughs> to ask you. <laughs> what do you think is mm. going to happen in the second episode? <laughs> it's like, well, this is. Oh, oh no!
1: <laughs> <laughs> just
2: spoiled everything. Okay, Andrew, what did you think of the
0: <laughs> first one? Oh, I really, really enjoyed it, actually. I wasn't quite sure what to expect going into it, but I think the story was set up quite nicely, and without giving too much away or where the story is actually going to go, because quite often it becomes apparent how a story is going to play out from minute one, but with this, there's still some mystery. And.
2: I'm quite looking forward to seeing how it all develops. Yeah, I absolutely loved the first episode. I can see why people might be criticising the pacing, although I didn't have an issue with it. I think it's actually more in line with the pacing of a fairly standard TNG episode. It just takes its time to get there because, because that's just the style. And I like that because a lot of my criticisms of, sort of modern stuff is you don't get enough time to be in the moment. they introduce something and then they blow past it because they want to move on to the next thing, such as the latest Star Wars movie, for an example. <laughs> Stuff like that I hate because it just makes everything meaningless, but I felt like everything that was introduced in that episode had meaning, it had impact, and it's, it's a character study as far as I'm concerned, you know. And I hope the entire series will be that, because, I mean, it's called Picard, so it's his perspective, it's it's about him, it's focused on him. So I feel like I'm going to get that, and I really like that. I thought the first episode did a great job of just bringing me back into that world and, and immersing me in it once again. So I had no issues with the pacing whatsoever. I was happy to be along for the ride. Shall we get Jean-Luc to take us into the spoilers? Engage. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> you just totally stepped on John Luke's moment there, but okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <Come on. laughs> no, no. People have to compare them. Who does it best, Andrew or Picard? Answers on a postcard.
1: Engage.
2: Right now we can spoil everything, apart from the second and third episode. <laughs> I've not seen it, and I want to be surprised.
1: I so, will spoil nothing.
2: You better not. That's we just Yeah. Otherwise, there will be consequences. Dire consequences. Just
1: kick me out of the chat if, if I start to veer towards unfamiliar <laughs> territory. territory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, as I
2: said before we launched into the spoiler zone, it is a character study. It's focused on Picard. The first episode is very much about what is his life now and where is it heading. And I really like that. I just... You know, I like the fact that he's retired. He's on his vineyard. He's, you know, he's wasting away. In effect, I really liked that idea because there's a lot of revivals at the moment where you see old characters returning. You know, look at Luke Skywalker in the Last Jedi or things like that. And people have a defined image of what they expected this character be, and for a lot of people, that didn't work out with Luke Skywalker. And I imagine. This isn't how people might have pictured Picard, although I would have kind of saw him end up like this because the last episode of The Next Generation has him end up very much like this, even though it's a possible future. But the idea that he's full of regret, he's kind of running out the clock on his life, I thought it was an interesting idea. And the fact that he has to get kind of kicked in the arse to get back into action and do something and be who he was, was, I loved that. Laura, what did you think of that idea?
1: I didn't see the film which it follows on from, so I don't know what his character was like in that. But I think it's perfectly credible, uh, especially if you're committing to a uh, character study, for him to have to work back to his version of the character that fans love so much. And I think if you're going to have him in his old age, I think they said he's meant to be like 92 at this point. There's no way that he's going to be the same person and he's going to have that same outlook on life that he did during Gen. Yeah,
2: and the play Fast and Loose with the events that led to this point as well because another thing I hate is when characters that know what they're talking about sit and talk about it as if they don't know what they're talking about to fill in the audience. Mm -hmm. Any conversation he has with people who know what happened it's framed as if they all know what happened and you have to sort of figure out some of it through context. So it's like Romulus was destroyed, which we know if you've seen the 2009 movie, but this is a much more in depth sort of look at it on a more personal level. So you get that, you get the fact that those two Romulan helpers of his are really close to him. They're like family, but at no point does he say, Oh, you guys are like my family and you've been here for 20 years and look after, you know, it's, it's yeah, we know been here for 20 years. We, we know that we've been here for 20 years. And I, I just hate that kind of exposition, so I love that they managed to avoid that. And another great
0: thing about that example specifically, is that it was clear that there was years of history between these characters, just from the way that they were interacting with one another. And because that, you didn't need it spelled out exactly how they met or how they come to, to live on Picard's Vineyard. Because that kind of information isn't specifically necessary. It's just when everything that these people mean to each other can be summed up in a single glance, or just the way that they speak to each other.
2: Yeah, there was that line where, don't forget who you are, we haven't. That kind of tells you a lot about how much they value him, and almost that they're paying him back, in effect, by looking after him in his old age as well. That's just what I took from it.
0: And with the whole interview segment of that, obviously the point of it was to bring the audience up to speed with the relevant historical events which happened in the years that there haven't been any more Star Trek. But it also served quite well to establish what kind of person Picard currently is. Because when he was talking uh, about Starfleet abandoning its duties to simply give aid to people people in need, the righteous anger and disgust and contempt that he has for this institution that he once believed in, it shows you more than anything it's how betrayed he feels to giving so much of his life to this institution and then for it to just abandon the ideals that it's supposed to stand for. And also the, the way that he was describing the disaster and the, re- the rescue mission. It seems to me that Patrick Stewart while performing it was actually visualising Everything that was happening, and was
2: able to react to that. Yeah, who knew that Patrick Short was such a good actor? <laughs> oh, <yeah. All> right. <laughs> what what a revelation! No one knew. I mean, he used to be on a crappy sci-fi TV show, and it turns out he's actually actually an actor. Who thought
1: <laughs>
2: for the future generations that cut out that clip and use it out of context, I do not think Star Trek: The Next Generation is <laughs> crappy. Part of that. But they won't cut out that part of the clip. They'll just use the part where I said it's crappy. So no, I completely agree. I think the whole Starfleet values thing is interesting because one of the things I was most concerned about before watching this is that the version of Picard would get to be someone that's kind of turned his back on his own values and things like that. Because that happens... In a lot of revivals as well, where it's like, oh, this, this guy isn't who they used to be, and you should never meet your heroes and whatever else. But this is a Jean-Luc Picard that is the same guy that he was, effectively, in terms of at least what he believes in, that he was the last time we saw him. And, I mean, he's abandoned the notion of doing something about it, but he still thinks that way. And it's very clear that he's in opposition to the prevailing, prevailing opinion, because the interviewer seems very xenophobic in some ways, at least towards Romulans, which I'm not sure how xenophobia looks in the Federation, how you hate some races and not others, but you just have to go with it, I suppose. But when she talks about Romulan lives and he's like, no, lives. And it's that distinction that tells you everything. And I know Patrick Stewart said it's inspired by current goings-on where there's a lot of isolationism chat in the news and in politics and things and the fact that, obviously, science fiction, and particularly Star Trek, has always reflected the time it's made in, it's a perfect story to explore.
1: Yeah, and the fact that you can no longer trust the overarching established institutions is also one that resonates with the current political climate.
2: Yeah, the system fails the people. Yeah, that's the, mm-hmm. the overriding message there. And there might be a bit of, is Picard as an old white man the right role model for the new future? There might be a bit of that in there too. Mm. I mean, Something. it's not there in the first episode, but I can see it coming in.
1: Yeah, maybe there'll be some sort of generational interplay where we see uh, different perspectives on the state of the universe, but can't forget that this is a character study of Picard, and Picard is a character that a pillar of the over-Star Trek universe, and I don't expect them to... Go too much into what comes next. I think it's more about closing a chapter.
2: Yeah, although maybe once he gets out of the universe again, he'll start to see how different things are while he's been locked away in his little vacuum.
1: Mm, And
2: that'll alter his perception of the universe he lives in. I mean, people are always growing, or people should always be growing and changing and responding to new ideas. So I don't see him not doing that once he gets out there and gets to look at what's going on out there. Because he's very isolated, that's kind of the point. You know, he doesn't allow visitors, he just sits there, walks his dog, who's apparently a terrible actor. Oh, his dog. I love this dog. (laughs) Yeah, apparently the dog's not a very good actor, according to interviews on Will Wheaton's The Ready Room, which is actually a good watch if you haven't seen it. They wanted to do more with the dog, but they couldn't because it, wouldn't cooperate <laughs>
0: so Uh-oh. I think that uh, because it wasn't a, a trained acting dog it, like it is actually like Patrick Stewart's own, own dog yeah which you can really tell in moments when the dog's around him because like, the way the dog's acting and he just looks so happy and joyful to, to be just near him yeah I mean, yeah because yeah, like us that's uh, exactly the same kind of unconditional love and excitement like that that, that I, I see in Igor's face every single day yeah. Yeah, just it's, like ridiculously stupid face looking look, look, look up at me um, <laughs> but at the, at the same time it's just like I love you I love you love me love you too <laughs> sorry I, I like dogs
2: really? <laughs> would never have guessed yeah anyway back to Picard yes he has a dog he's called it number one which I think is hilarious mm. I like that although it would be funny if Riker and the dog ever share a scene and Picard calls on number one and Riker goes to him first who is the more obedient? <laughs> the dog or Riker? We'll see Riker eventually. So we might get that scene. I hope we get that scene. That'll be hilarious. And obviously Picard's very haunted as well. You know, he has dreams about playing cards with data with kind of anachronistic uniforms on the wrong ship. Which, yeah, it's a dream. Go whatever. As an aside, I thought the work on Brent Spiner to de-age him was superb. In the trailers, you can kind of tell, but in the final render in the actual episode, it's so well done. And it's the fact that he still like misses data and dreams about him every night and doesn't want to wake up, because waking up means waking up to a world that doesn't have data, and I love that. But I do wonder how people who don't really know who data is will respond to that, because this is very much a reference geared toward people like me. I feel
1: and like if you... Don't know about it. It probably doesn't have much emotional resonance, but as long as you understand, and I think they make it pretty clear that this is someone from his past whom he feels a lot of guilt about and a lot of regret and someone that he loved, which I think is completely apparent whether you you know who Data is or not, then you'll get what you need to get from those scenes.
2: Yeah, Yeah, and there's some dialogue that points you in the direction of who Data is as well. At least in a nutshell.
0: And and, and even though it would have helped to have seen Nemesis to understand what ultimately happened to Data, I think in the context of the scenes themselves and just what what gets spoken about in dialogue, it does tell you all that you really need to know for the terms of the plot. And I agree that their interaction tells you that this is someone who meant a great deal to Picard, and you don't need to have seen all of their personal history to be able to realise that.
2: Yeah, it's the right use of nostalgia, I think. You'll get more out of it if you know the material. If you don't know the material, you'll hopefully still get enough to be able to follow it to the conclusion that they want you to reach. that's the way it should work in all nostalgic properties, I think, rather than substituting nostalgia for story, which this doesn't. I think the nostalgia informs the story, but it isn't the story, which is kind of refreshing. Exactly. Mm. Yeah,
0: because too often nostalgia is just used to simply rehash everything that's gone before. Like another
2: franchise that has Star in the title. Oh yeah, it's a very good comparison. Is it, is, <laughs> it,
0: it, it, that never occurred to me. Or the man responsible for it, I may have mentioned <laughs> not too long ago.
2: Yeah, but he's very significant and I think there'll be more to it as well. I could have probably done without the dream that gives him the answer to the question of where to go next and what to look at next. I think that was a bit on the nose. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I mean, it's different if it's just a dream that he doesn't understand or it's just one of his like daily weird dreams that star Data and have him dressed in his old uniform and painting on a vineyard. But the fact that it's very much this, oh, I know where to look next because I had a dream about it. It's a little bit clumsy, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking like there may be a little bit more to it than that, than just this simply uh, usefully prophetic dream giving the answers. I think it's uh, something to do with Data's consciousness uh, somehow kind of existing in in the ether somewhere, uh, and, and this is in trying to communicate with Picard. Is that they were very specific about the ending of Nemesis, where it's implied that Data transferred his consciousness into B four do a a copy of him but in this episode it was very very clearly specified that 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 didn't work and i just thought that that was a very very specific thing to bring up if it isn't going to have some relevance later
2: yeah you could be right who knows i mean i didn't hate it obviously you put brent spiner in a scene and he looks like he's 20 years younger or whatever I'm, i'm going to be impressed but at the same time i was like oh that's convenient convenient dream. It was still a good scene. So on to Dash, this mysterious young woman that appears to Picard and asks for his help because she has a vision of him once she becomes River Tam, essentially. <laughs> 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 yeah. I liked her, and I really liked her dynamic with Picard, and I was actually disappointed when she ended up dying because I think there was more to it there. Although it's possible she'll come back, given what she is in some way, but... I don't know. I think there was more they could have played with there. It's certainly unexpected to have her killed off in the first episode, especially with the trailers indicating that this is a big deal and this is what starts this whole thing off. Mm-hmm.
0: It certainly explains why while marketing was so circumspect about exactly who she was and, and what kind of parts she would be playing in, in the series. Yeah, Because to have gone into too much would 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 end up spoiling that shock ending of her dying. I saw her as someone who was representative of the regrets that Picard has, specifically regarding what happened with Romulus, which in itself gives a an explanation as to why this random girl just turns up out of the blue for asking for his help, and he provides it without even asking a single question because that's the person he is.
2: Yeah, I'm glad they avoided the, no, I don't want to be involved anymore, leave me alone, I just want to be alone. It was as soon as she appeared, he was like, how can I help? You Know, come in, yeah, have some tea. L. Grey, decaf, D- yeah,
1: it's very <laughs> 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 decaf. Maybe-, oh,
2: um, is, the one. Maybe she's allowed caffeine, Picard's not. He's I don't
1: think she caffeine. needs it with the state of her, <laughs> yeah, that's true.
2: Although, he didn't specify the temperature of the tea, which kind of bothered me. <laughs>
0: I just took that to be swapping out like, the, the final thing for Hot uh, just to say, to say decaf as uh, just like a, another indication that, that he's getting older
2: yeah plus you'd think the replicator would know his favourites by now how do replicators work well I mean I know in theory how they work but in terms of the like the interface does it just remember your preferences would it just make me I don't know pizza every time I walk past one <laughs> because it knows that I like pizza you wish that's the dream yeah. Oh, great. God, it would be so good. I wish I had a replicator. It would be amazing. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, he invites her in, wants to help her immediately, and she sort of leaves in the middle of the night because she doesn't want him to be put in any danger because she knows that people are after her. The River Tam thing was a bit of a joke, but it's very similar. She has this kind of inbuilt instinct that becomes active at certain points. Although she's not quite as weird and cryptic as River is. She's much more confused, and she's not human, but thinks she is. And I find that quite interesting, this whole idea that there's androids running about who think that they're human. It's a bit Blade Runner, I
1: suppose. It's very Blade Runner. Yeah. Asking all kinds of questions about what humankind really is and what AI is and how the two are differentiated. But I guess we're not going to go all that much into it. Supposedly, because I don't think that's the point they're focusing on at the moment.
2: Well, they may do. I mean, there was an entire episode of TNG that was about just that very subject where it was decided that data was property, and Picard argues that he's a person, mm-hmm. which is one of the greatest episodes. And yeah, it raises these things. It's like, what is sentience? You know, in that episode, Picard asks Maddox, who is mentioned in this episode and will almost certainly return before it all ends. Asks him to prove that Picard is sentient, which he can't because how do you do that? How do you prove it? And that's kind of part of the point. So you've got this potentially sentient android or this pair of potentially sentient androids or perhaps even more. We don't know. It's a whole mysterious thing. Although I refuse to believe that her necklace is unusual. (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: Everyone keeps yeah. commenting. Well, that's really weird. I've never seen that before. It's, it's two circles. Two circles.
1: <laughs> so I legit have a necklace like that. Like <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean it's distinctive? Like, what is jewelry like in the future?" Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, you need that kind of visual marker. But I think the design team could have done a bit more work to
1: right
2: come up with something that
1: oh, wow, looks two unusual. circles. How unique.
2: Yeah. Oh wow! I've never seen two circles intersecting before that must mean that they're twins, because only twins <laughs> would wear a necklace like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I
2: don't know. She Strange. could have had like the heart necklace that was cut in half or something. You know, that one.
1: Because <laughs> that's so unusual.
2: Yeah, well, maybe in the 24th century it is. No one wears such tacky jewellery anymore.
1: It's retro now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I find that interesting. And Another... Favourite scene of mine in the episode was when Picard went to talk to the professor at the Daystrom Institute, played by Alison Pill. I forget her actual name, which um, I'm totally blanking on, but... Yeah, same. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. she was really good. I like these long, intriguing dialogue scenes in Star Trek episodes. And it's the fact that they were sitting there talking about something that was really interesting, and the dialogue was very naturalistic as well. It felt like a real conversation. And it was moving the plot forward and it was telling you things that you didn't know before and telling you things that you needed to know. And it was really well done. And I see in the trailer for the rest of the season that she's going to join him on his Firefly-type expedition. So that's good.
0: And seeing as her name was, I think, second in the title sequence, it would be kind of surprising if she wasn't going to stick around.
2: Yeah, but it could be like in Discovery where Michelle Yeoh is credited in the first two episodes and then isn't after that. Well, that's a point, yeah. So you never know with title sequences now, especially when you just skip them.
1: <laughs> Which not I bad. reckon most people will have done.
2: Yeah, you watch it once, maybe twice, and then you skip it.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: so impatient, must not endure this ninety seconds of music. I'll just move on.
1: <laughs> Be fair, I didn't think the title sequence was very good, so don't think anyone's missing much.
2: I don't know. The more I saw it, the more I quite liked it. I like how all these kind of pieces of glass coalesce into being Picard. I thought the music was nice. It's less sort of epic than. Mm previous Star Trek themes, but I think it fits the tone of what they're going for. Well, I think that's
0: going back to it being a character study, rather than an adventure show. So I thought it would be more appropriate for the music to be be something uh, a bit more subdued, rather than the overstated bombast that TNG has.
2: Yeah, it's a different era, it's a different tone, it's a different feel. So it should be different. I mean, I don't think I'll watch the opening credit that many more times, to be honest, because who's got time for that? But... I appreciate what was there. That whole once or twice that I'll watch it. We all right. Over the last
0: couple of years, I've run off, uh, rewatched the entire run of Smallville. And <laughs> after a while, it was just like, I am so sick of this song. Mm-hmm.
1: It's a good song, though. You got it.
0: Well, yeah. that, that's the thing. it's a good song. Just uh, listening to it 200 times in, rel- in relatively, <laughs> relatively quick succession can make even even best of things a little grating.
2: Yeah, it does get a bit much after a while although we don't have to watch this one like 10 times if we were watching it so at least for now so anything else on daj did anything about her stand out more i reckon the rest of the series will be focused on her twin sister who we only just met and who seems to be kind of getting stalked by a weird romulan guy who's very (laughs) interested in her necklace again because it's so unusual yeah yeah, and is interested in like where she grew up, or her family, or her sister, and all that stuff. This is a weird first conversation. Yeah, he's not someone. very
1: subtle. <laughs> no, it's
2: like he might yeah. as well walk up and say, "I am a spy."
1: Like, oh, nefarious!
2: <laughs> <laughs> mm. He's like, "I'm not as famous as my brother." <laughs>
1: His mm-hmm. brother
2: Luke Treadaway, who probably won't appear. No anymore. doubt so. So yeah, anything else on Dodge that stood out to people? You know, the fact that she's superhuman and very vulnerable as well. what
0: was I interested in the conversation that she had with her mother, or who she thought was her mother, or however they, they want to play it, is there, there was a whole thing made about how she knew that uh, she had, had gone to Picard without being able to explain how and I think that suggests that, that she's going to at least have some part to play as the, the mystery like who Dad who actually is uh, gets unfolded. But I, I just thought it was a slightly unusual plot point to just leave hanging.
2: Yeah, and they'll definitely do more with it because the mother will be a fixture, I would imagine, because otherwise why have that scene, right? Yeah. Laura, you got anything else to say on Daj?
1: Not particularly. I feel like she wasn't all that developed because she more or less serves as a plot device to introduce a bunch of different threads that we're going to develop and wind up in the next few episodes. I think it's pretty smart to use her for shock factor at the end of the first episode and introduce the actress again as Daj's sister. Yeah. But I don't think there's anything much more to say about Dash herself.
2: Yeah, some of the dialogue was interesting about her memories, where Picard says, yeah, that's a beautiful memory, and it's yours. But he didn't say, and it's real. You know, it's mm. still, oh no, everything that you think probably isn't real, but it doesn't make it any less yours. So, you know, let's hold on to that. And somehow she's Data's daughter, and there's this whole thing about cloning from a chip or something, which I'm not so sure about. It doesn't seem very science based you
1: know star trek not being scientifically accurate <laughs> hey, they
2: used to have scientific consultants <laughs> that they would maybe ignore but they were there it's like how did this work it's like oh yeah that's not how supernovas behave and it's like well we've written the script already, so you know it's no but they used to try and get at least some of it right at least in a the theoretical sense mm. the thing is when you're making a tv show in the 60s or even the 80s and later, 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 is our understanding of that science keeps changing. Mm-hmm. So suddenly you have to rewrite your own rules because if you want to remain current with science, then it just has to behave differently. But I'm not sure there's any theories about reconstructing an artificial consciousness from a single chip or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's the equivalent I... of like you take your graphics card out of your PC and can grow another PC. <laughs>
1: I wish. (laughs) That'd be very, very handy.
2: Yeah. Although you might just grow another slow laptop. Mm. (laughs) So I guess we'll find out, and we'll find out if it has any basis in scientific fact. Maybe they'll cut to a TED talk that'll be like, no, no, this is okay. It works, kind of. (laughs) You know, um, at least it's not as dumb as jumping through the universe using spores.
1: I suppose that's true.
2: Yeah, well, maybe it is. Maybe it is that dumb. In fact, it probably is. There's also the quantum archive. I'm not sure how that works. It's like does have like, a room inside of there that he goes in and he can call back stuff that's like stored somewhere? Um, yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Or is it just like in in game um, when Scott Lang
0: just asks like, okay, yeah, he just like quantum in front of a bunch of words to like to make to make it sound sciency?
2: Yeah, mm. I mean Star Trek's never done that. Heaven forbid. I don't know, I find it quite interesting, because at first I thought, does he own this entire, like, warehouse? And then, when I watched it again, I was like, oh, no, he doesn't, he's just going there. But he has some stuff stored, but I don't know how it's stored, and they didn't seem interested in explaining it to me, it was just something that he could access. So his painting is either, like, a recreation of that painting, or it's the actual painting, who knows? I have no idea. It, well, I did say that there were two of the paintings. Yeah, one's in his study, and one is, like, stored in the Quantum Archive, somehow. Whatever the quantum archive is, I think of it like a big transporter buffer, and you just kind of everything's dematerialized, and then you just call it up, and it just appears. Yeah, that sounds plausible.
1: Mm, maybe in
2: the context yeah. of Star Trek. Yeah, it'd be an efficient way to store stuff, just floating about in the ether somewhere. Mm. Uh, this is what I do with Star Trek. I just try and nerdily explain everything based on my knowledge of the franchise. <laughs> It's what yeah, we all do.
0: Though, if that was what it was, then there wouldn't be much call for for, for the building to be so huge.
2: No, that's true. Unless you it's need true. need it to be that big to have all the servers that store everything. Yeah. It's like all the Federation's information in one place. I don't know. This is what Star Trek should be about. Just like, like
0: taking a random insignificant detail and then analysing it to death, trying to to understand it, only for the writers to turn around and say, yeah, it doesn't mean anything, we just made that
2: shit. (laughs) We didn't think about this. We don't know. Why are you asking us? (laughs) One thing I did like seeing was a bit of civilian life because that's not something you see an awful lot of in previous Star Trek stuff. So you see uh, the Boston skyline and there's billboards. And then later on, it's just people walking about, going to their day-to-day lives. I quite like that.
1: It's just a nice yeah. little
2: touch. I want to see more of that. I mean, I don't want to see a soap set in the Star Trek universe, but <laughs> just a little bit more of how people live in the Federation. Yeah, and I quite like
0: seeing how really futuristic... Sci-fi buildings were incorporated into existing landscapes. I'm just giving like a vision of how things could play out in the future.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's all good. Let's we'll see more of it. And Picard has some better civilian clothes than he ever did in the Next Generation, where it's like, oh god, put the uniform back on, please.
1: Ugh, we love the leather jacket. I'm living. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, he got his badass leather jacket in Insurrection. Nice. Yeah, which is. It's fine, I suppose, as leather jackets go. It's very dull sort of civilian clothes that wouldn't look out of place today, which, yeah, fine. It's all good. So in terms of all the mysteries that we have, I'm interested to see how they all play out. So we've got the whole synthetic life orb stuff that Dash slash is connected to. You have the Romulans who are coming after Dash for some reason. You have the Romulans that are hanging around in a decommissioned Borg cube. You have this whole thing about how the Federation lost its way. There's an attack on Mars that we'll probably learn a bit more about. There's Picard's career as an admiral, I guess. You know, we've got a lot of things flying around. I'm not sure how they all connect, and also how it all links to data as well. I'm not sure how it all connects, but I'm confident that they have an idea of where they're going with it.
1: Yeah, I feel like the whole synthetics Mars attack dodge storyline is the primary one and then we'll see sort of the history of the Federation and the fate of the Romulans um, intersect with that. But I don't think they're trying to follow all those threads simultaneously to the same extent. That That's not the vibe I'm getting.
2: Yeah, the Romulan stuff, that'll be the sort of texture of the, the background, I think. The Borg will play mm-hmm. in significantly. I have a feeling that Borg technology will have something to do with how Dahj is able to exist, because Borg technology is typically used to enhance stuff. So I think the Borg will have something to do with that. Hopefully that's not something that comes up in the first years. Yeah, and we get
1: reintroduced to tube. <laughs> Yeah, plus we get Jerry Ryan coming back, so.
2: Yes. And Jonathan
1: Delarc. You, you know done. there's going to be, a indeed.
2: Some Borg stuff
1: so Borg presences are inevitable.
2: Yes. It's just how they're used could be interesting because Voyager kind of ruined them, so Mm. they're needing a bit of rehabilitating. (laughs) And I'm not convinced it'll be the real full-strength Borg either. I think it'll just be these kind of decommissioned offshoots and Mm -hmm. maybe learn a bit about the Borg and how they fit into it through that, but I don't think we'll actually see them in their entirety.
0: Well I think yeah, I think the Borg, like in a show like this is going to play back into the themes of sentience and individuality and what actually constitutes a person Yeah. because the whole point of the Borg is that they were a gigantic collective who had no individual sense of self and so for lack of a better way of describing them the decommissioned drones then they will probably have memories of two different states of being, one where they were a part of a greater whole and another where, where they learn to be individuals again. And hopefully it won't be too much repetition over the character arc that Seven of Nine had in, in Voyager. But I'm fairly confident that, that they'll think of something different to do with it.
2: Yeah, and there's also the open question of how haunted by his own experiences, Picard at this point you know, does he still think about his own assimilation or is he over it or maybe that thing that you were talking about that dream being a message from data in some way, maybe his lingering Borg technology is why he's able to do that because there is stuff about, you know, he can still hear them when he's nearby them and things like that and first contact, so I mean, if they're putting the Borg in and it's a character study of Picard, there's a good chance his experience of the collective will become a significant part of what they're covering silence everyone must agree with me because it's complete yeah. be silence
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah I'm trying to think of something to add to or build on that but, yeah. but
2: um, I made a perfect point that it can't be expanded on
0: <laughs> exactly
2: yeah so I think we've pretty much mined this episode for all it's worth so before Laura goes and spoils it for all of us for the next two episodes that she's been I did so
1: to well to come on
2: <laughs> did you though I mean Am I going to watch episode two and be like, that bitch?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you won't know till Friday.
2: <laughs> Thursday, perhaps. Oh, is it? That? Well, Thursday is the US release, and as we all know, I commute to America to watch television.
1: Mm, of course.
2: Yeah. Friday is when it appears on Amazon Prime in the UK. I was able to re-watch the first episode last Thursday. Nice. Um, which is nice for reviewing. I hate reviewing on a Friday. Sucks. So if I can do it on a Thursday from here on out, that'll make me slightly happier.
1: It's going to be expensive travel costs.
2: Yeah, well... I've got my transporter! (laughs) So, it's fine. Yeah, well, it certainly stays on your carbon footprint. (laughs) (laughs) True. How much power do you think a transporter uses?
1: Renewable Mm -hmm. energies, I would hope. But who knows.
2: Yeah, We don't know. A lot, though. I mean, if you're turning people into data and transmitting them across a long distance. You'd think that would cost, that would be a lot of kilowatts. Mm. It would make your smart meter just go into the red as soon as you press the, the energize <laughs> button, if you have such a thing. Yeah, so as I say, I think we've mined this for everything we can. So let's just do final statements. Laura, go first. Final statement on Picard as a beginning.
1: Um, I think it's setting up the show to be like very different from Star Trek shows that came before it in the sense that it doesn't seem to be serialized more of a a, an overarching narrative and also the fact as suggested by the very title that it's a character study as opposed to following a ship uh, into various different worlds and you know for the sake of exploration yeah the first episode works really well I think it sets it up and I think as someone who's not As familiar as some with the Star Trek universe, I thought it was perfectly easy to follow. And I think more or less anyone with any level of knowledge of the Star Trek world can absolutely get something out of it. Cool.
2: Good summary. Andrew, (laughs) final statement? Yeah, I thought it was
0: a brilliant beginning to the series. It established its own sense of identity very, very well by showing what it was taking from other Star Trek shows and and also what it was doing differently from other Star Trek shows. It didn't reveal too much about what it was going to do. It gave us all of the information that we needed to know to start us off on the story. And I think it goes quite well for it being revealed at a measured state as the series
2: progresses. Yeah. much echo those statements. I think it's a great start. I love seeing Patrick Stewart back in this role after thinking I was never going to see it again. I like that it's something new. I like that it's something new but also draws on what I like about Star Trek. It shows the versatility of the franchise. I think in the 90s they were doing a lot of different Star Trek things that weren't all that different from one another but this time it seems that every project is different from the last and I absolutely love that. So I can't wait to see. How this all pans out. And then what will happen next within this universe? I, I'm really excited to see what will happen next. And yeah, I just can't wait to see episode two and three and four and so on until 10. And absolutely love it.
1: Star Trek, and then season my favorite, two.
2: And <laughs> then season two. Yeah, Star Trek is my favourite thing, favourite franchise ever. So give me more and yeah. give me more that I like. So that's, that's amazing. So that's it. We'll maybe do an episode once the season ends with the same or different contributors. Who knows? Depends if they survive being beamed back to where I lifted them from. <laughs> if you survive, you're welcome back on any time.
1: I'll keep that in mind. Thanks <laughs> very much.
2: Yeah, You should appear on the podcast. You might die upon entry because of the transporter not being fully serviced, but These are just the risks that you take
1: Yeah, keeping life spicy
2: Yeah So, Laura, thank you for being here And talking Picard Of course And Andrew, thank you for being here And also talking Picard
0: Always a pleasure
2: And it is also my pleasure So, would you care to step on the transporter pad And I will see if I can send you back To where you came from in one piece Sure thing (laughs) (laughs) Sure thing you have to get in a character. That's Adam. me.
1: That thing. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. And I am now staying as motionless as possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> keep your
0: hands and feet <laughs> inside the beam at all times. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I saw what happened to Barclay,
2: <laughs> Or the guy in the motion picture. That was horrible. Or indeed the guy that I tried to beam in before you. Anyway. You can still smell him. Yeah, well. <laughs> but, oh, gross. <laughs> yeah, very disgusting. So on that note, energising. So that was our discussion at the beginning of Star Trek The Card. Special thanks to Dark Materia for the supplied music. If you enjoyed what you heard, then don't forget to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, please do leave a star rating and a comment. If you want to discuss Picard, Star Trek, or anything else, then you can find us on Facebook and Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on NeilBeforeBlog.co.uk. We do hope you'll join us in the next thrilling installment of Neural Before Pod. Engage.